or even the web writer is challenged to tell a story either in a great manner or tell a great story that people haven't seen or heard before so there are changes and those who have not kept pace with the changes have been left behind if you look at the indian sport somebody who was given up maybe pulela gopichand he came back from injury he had a debilitating knee injury in 1994 and then got a surgery done and then uh, there was a, a point of time where he could not even walk properly for him to come back and win the all england tournament which is the blue riband of uh, badminton was terrific hello people welcome back to the next episode on inspire someone today today's guest is rajaram a distinguished and respected sports journalist who has shared his journey of indian sports from close quarters we got up discussing the changing trends in the broadcasting industry his memorable sporting events and comebacks of our sporting heroes life lessons from sports and finally the advice raj received from the great sachin tendulkar do join us as we chat on the reflections to sports I have been a sports journalist for 37 years. I used to play basketball and cricket in my school and college days. I played for Andhra Pradesh and Usman University, uh, that is basketball. I played uh, cricket for my college. Played a lot of sport when I was young because my father was a sports journalist in Hyderabad. He was also secretary of the Hyderabad Cricket Association for 6 years and a first class umpire. So I guess sport um, became very natural to me. It kept me engaged when I was young. Um, it kept me away from scholastics a little bit but i have no regrets um, i wanted to be an engineer to be honest and i studied science in school but because i was not good enough to get a seat in engineering i then uh, decided i would be a sports journalist and i have been one for 37 years uh, it's been a very good career i would like to believe that i have walked in the direction that i wanted to i don't know if i have reached the goal yet but i have walked in the direction that i like to have taken risks in my life left cushy jobs in newspapers to join the dot com boom in the year 2000 and then uh, tried one year with television as well with a hindi channel which is not my core competencies hindi is really not my strength because i have always been thinking in english and practicing english and expressing myself in english hindi was a challenge for one year then i worked with a magazine which was outlook terrific experience in itself and then uh, worked with uh, the corporate communication side for some years worked with the organizing committee of the delhi commonwealth games in 2010 and that was a great experience contrary to what people might say i enjoyed myself and i'm very proud of having associated myself with the commonwealth games organizing committee and then i worked for two years with the delhi daredevils and um, it is a challenge but it is there is always learning in sport and uh, sport has helped me stay sane through very difficult times sometimes Raj very excited to have you on the show thanks so much for joining me today a pleasure is mine uh, i forgot to tell you that i live in delhi a lot of people sometimes don't figure out where subject is where somebody is speaking from i live in the capital of this country even though i was born and brought up in hyderabad i have uh, made delhi my home for the last 28 years or so i live with my wife uh, My daughter is studying and she's overseas she is trying to complete her MBA this year and uh, without their support I don't think I would have got anywhere in life 
So Raj, you have been one of the most respected, well-revered sport communicators in the country. And you have had stints, like you alluded to, stints in the print, TV, web and radio. And it's a very interesting times that we are in. There's a lot of similarities to what you have gone through in your overall professional journey to what we will go through as industry, as career professionals in the current environment, which is about changes to the industries and careers. What have you seen the transformation in sport journalism? And what are some of those key takeaways and reflection points that is attributable to the current state? Great question, Srikant. Uh, takes me back to the time where I used to have a portable typewriter. My first job as a reporter, I started off carrying a typewriter to venues. I would write my report there, go back to my mm-hmm. office and give them the copy of my report. Now, from there, we have moved to internet. I have seen the transition. I used to have a, a sub-notebook, which allowed me to ping a computer in office straight away through a modem. Now, most people today don't understand what a modem is. Uh, They think it is the modem that is connecting us to Wi-Fi at home. But uh, you needed a telephone line to connect and go through. I have seen communications change. I used Mm. to carry a PNT card, a post and telegraph office card to be able to dispatch my reports by telegram. Can you imagine uh, you're covering a Ranji Trophy match and you're sending a lunch report by telegram? And uh, if you're lucky, it reaches your office soon enough. But if you're not lucky, then uh, it gets to the office at close of play. So Telegram were always dicey. And then we moved Mm -hmm. from there to fax. And then we had telex as well. But today, of course, um, instantaneous communication is happening. So along with that, our challenges have changed. While the physical aspects have changed, technology has added to our challenges. What is happening is if you're watching, let us say, a cricket match, most people at the venue are tweeting already. Forget the live telecast. People are watching live telecast and there are a number of people on Twitter who are giving, holding out their points of view as well. And then for you to, as a newspaper man or as a web writer, for you to come up with something good that people read, that is the challenge today. Previously, the newspaper was the only medium of information as far as people were concerned. At the end of the day, people would hear a short bulletin on radio. And then uh, you had to wait for the newspaper to tell you more details. Today, the newspaper writer is challenged immensely because uh, he's coming to you to the breakfast table after everybody has analyzed the game from the best of cricketers who are giving commentary. And then they do a post-match analysis as well for a couple of hours. And then if you miss that, you're watching a news channel. There is some former cricketer sitting there and giving out um, his point of view as well. So the newspaper writer or even the web writer, is challenged to tell a story either in a great manner or tell a great story that people haven't seen or heard before. So there are changes and those who have not kept pace with the changes have been left behind. Right. So what are some of those things that one need to kind of keep pace with the change to stay relevant? In your industry, what has happened and what is your general advice to everybody out here? Uh, Srikant, one of the things that has not changed is the story, right? So if it is a cricket match or a basketball game or a football game, the story remains the same. The players are the same guys. Uh, So it's 11 players against 11 in a cricket match or a chess player against a chess player. So the story of a fight remains the same. The storytelling technique is also the same. What has changed is how you tell the story and what is it that you add to the story? Do you spice it up? Do you stick to facts? 
do you make it very emotional what is it that you do is what you have to think now as a journalist as a reporter as a writer you have to then decide what is your core competency what do i do srikant i look at the psychological aspect of sport i see every mm-hmm. every sport as a battle of chess between either two cricketers a batsman versus bowler or two captains or coaches or managers in a football game for example it is the managers who are sitting outside and manipulating those 11 pawns on the field so i see it as a psychological warfare all the time and that gives me the chance to narrate a story from a mental perspective and i think it resonates with readers and uh, viewers because the moment you tell them something that is not really apparent and it is your perspective and you're able to ask questions and you're able to tell a story in a different manner people like to hear that it is a different perspective and most people want to see whether your line of thinking is similar to theirs or not and so what you're doing is if you're talking about it purely from a psychological perspective and an emotional perspective what you get to see on the field is so many emotions and if you're able to translate those emotions uh, you have then done a very good job of it yeah, that's a very interesting angle there because uh, what we are dealing today is also there is lot of noise around everything and one needs to have those skills to distill it and get to insights and what you are also trying to say in a lot many ways is that insight can be in a very unique way of psychologically telling a story that is different from everybody else no doubt about that srikant see everybody is telling a story you know whether it is a superstar who has played the game before who's telling you a story live or who's telling it uh, hours after a game or whether it is a cub reporter everybody is telling a story and the manner in which you tell the story the passion and intensity with which you tell the story that is what will make a difference and if you stick to facts and if you do not become too harsh with opinion i think people like it it is very easy to stimulate people the wrong way they get inflamed there is no point in doing that so you can be sober you can be soft and still make a point i think people like it when you are able to tell them something difficult in a very simple manner so talking about stories raj sports like life has its ups and flows what has been your sporting example of somebody rising like a phoenix somebody rising like a phoenix um, i'll have to think i want to give you indian examples and that is why i'm taking time uh, you can talk about a number of overseas athletes but essentially if you look at uh, indian sport somebody who was given up maybe pulela gopichand he came back from injury he had a debilitating knee injury in 1994 and then got a surgery done and then uh, there was a, a point of time where he could not even walk properly for him to come back and win the all england tournament which is the blue ribbon of uh, badminton was terrific there have been stories like this coming back from injury coming back from where people have been given up as over the hill someone like an anil kumble for example fought very hard he was dismissed as somebody who could not turn the ball very much but he finished with 600 wickets in his uh, test career he was not exactly like the phoenix but he was every day he had to prove himself over and over again not to anybody else but to himself and when you look at a sportsman an athlete like that you know that uh, there is an inspiration going around kapil dev for example there was a time where many people thought that he was finished and that he was dragging his career on till 1994 
But by and large, in a remarkable 16-year career playing for India, he showed what everybody is, should be capable of and how you can lift yourself up when the chips are down. And he has shown that the 175 uh, knock that he hit at Tunbridge Wells against Zimbabwe in that uh, World Cup in 1983, the whole team was actually reduced to ash at 17 for 5. And from there, for him to lift the team to go on to the, win the World Cup, very inspirational it is. So there are a number of examples in India where uh, people have picked themselves up from the floor and uh, reached the heights. And um, I think India is blessed and very privileged to have some of these superstars amidst us. Thanks for uh, walking us down the memory lane. If there are lessons that teach us, uh, leadership lessons or general life lessons that teach us from a journalist's lens, what would those lessons be? What I would like to believe is that uh, there were a lot of people who doubted whether IPL could happen at all. And one more time, India showed that it is capable of delivering the best organizationally. I go back to 2010 for just that bit, uh, Srikanth. A lot of mm-hmm. people thought that the Commonwealth Games were doomed. In fact, in August of 2010, the Games were almost cancelled. And then for us to stage it successfully in 2010, October, is something that I'm really proud of. What you got to see is Indianness. There is always chaos around us. And at the last minute, we seem to pull order out of it. It's almost magical, Srikant. And we got to see that with IPL as well. Nobody believed that IPL could happen successfully. But uh, the decision to move to United Arab Emirates and to have three venues there and put all the eight teams in a bubble and have close to 3,000 people inside a bio bubble, I think it tells you of India's organizational skills. This is away from cricket, but it tells you what Indians are capable of. When they apply their mind to something, Indians deliver seamlessly. And that is the biggest takeaway for me from IPL this year. Even I doubted uh, whether IPL should be held at all in the United Arab Emirates. Why should we move there? But I think there were lessons to be learned. And um, I'm sure that IPL, when it happens the next time, in just a few months' time, we will get to see it in India. And we will have brought our learnings about creating a bio bubble and putting players inside there and ensuring that none of them falls prey to what is now called mental health issues. I think that is the greatest takeaway for me. The successful conduct of IPL, six weeks of exciting cricket that gave entertainment to a lot of Indians who were a little downcast in the wake of the pandemic. I think uh, IPL gave a lot of people reason to cheer. Uh, There were a lot of young cricketers who came through. It only showed one more time that when you give youngsters the opportunity to mingle with senior cricketers, to mingle with established stars and learn from them, they also pick up the thread and begin to believe in themselves a lot more than they would have without IPL. I think these two things as key takeaways for me from IPL 2020. But singularly, if you ask me to isolate any one thing, it is India's organizational skills. And uh, I think kudos to BCCI and to IPL for having reinstilled the belief that India can deliver a high-quality entertainment program for its people. Terrific. I think that's a great uh, view to it. And as a journalist, you have a little more closer view to all the teams, players, uh, so on and so forth. What do you see as good ingredients of a great team versus an average team? 
I think, uh, Srikanth, for a great side, uh, you want everybody to chip in. It is not built around any one individual. Everybody is chipping in. Purely from a leadership perspective, it is easier to lead a team of 10 just above average players than to lead a team with one superstar and have the rest of them below average. So you would want the mean level to go up. Everybody's optimum performance to be on the higher side. And um, you got to see that, let us say, the 1983 World Cup team, for example, a very good example, Srikanth. Mm -hmm. You had a number of players who could shine both with bat and ball. They were not people who would tonk the ball and uh, get you 100 every time they walked into bat. But they would lend their shoulder to the wheel and ensure that the wheel moved in the right direction. Whether it was Madan Lal, whether it was Mohinder Ramarnath, whether it was Kirti Azad, whether it was Yashpal Sharma, whether it was Sandeep Patil, all of these people played big roles. And there was Sunil Gavaskar and Ravi Shastri. Srikant played his own role. And then, of course, there was Kirmani, the wicketkeeper. And then there was Kapil Dev. It was not as if the team was built around Kapil Dev. He was a charismatic leader, no doubt about that. But in that team, you could have made anybody captain and that team would have delivered just as much. Uh, not taking anything away from Kapil Dev's leadership skill when I say that. But that team was a proper team. You got to see that again with Mahendra Singh Dhoni's uh, 2011 Cricket World Cup team. They won in India. And what you saw there was a number of people who knew their roles and delivered responsibly. I think the key really is in knowing what you're capable of and delivering it every single time. Of course, uh, in sport and in life, it is not always possible to succeed every single time. But the whole idea is to have the right intent and the right intensity. When you step on the field, be fresh and be competitive. I think this is what sport teaches us, uh, that when you give you 100%, when you know that even if uh, you're back to the wall, if you believe in yourself and if you believe in your teammates, you can then go out and conquer the world. I think that is what we got to see through sport. And that is my uh, learning from sport as well. And if we can use that in life, where we start believing in each other a lot more, believing in our teammates a lot more, and there is uh, the hierarchy also start trusting everybody a lot more, I think then you will get to see great teams even in corporate workplace. That's a wonderful message. Believe in the team, believe in oneself, have fun together as a team and the team rallies around you. No doubt about that. Uh, even in uh, doubles, for example, take Leander Pace and Mahesh Bhupati. Uh, they were easily one of the world's most successful tennis doubles players. There was such intrinsic faith in each other. And the moment that faith went away, there was uh, trust issues, the team collapsed. Great example for anybody to think and learn from. Here are two individuals who come together, pool in their talent and become the world's best team. They were world number one. And the same set of individuals, because of trust issues, become a very weak side and then uh, they go their different ways. Life also teaches us that similar things happen. So when you have a team, hold on to it for dear life and never let go. Nice. Raj, I will dwell upon you as uh, close to four decades of experience in this space. If I were to ask you, what has been your best coverage experience and why? Oh, that's a tough one. But uh, again, it's a no-brainer sometimes. Uh, it's a dichotomy. As you can see, it is both ironical. I called it tough and I said it's a no-brainer at the same time. I'll tell you why. Because the viewed from a glory perspective, my 1996 experience in Atlanta 
was the most uh-huh. challenging. I, yeah, I went. Correct. I went to cover for a newspaper called the Pioneer, and it was challenging primarily because all my colleagues, most of them, would go off to sleep at the end of a day's play, wake up the next morning and file a report because of the time zone difference. But Pioneer had decided that my deadline would be 5 p.m. in India, which corresponded to about three o'clock in uh, Atlanta. So I had to sit through nights and file my dispatches because we had a color supplement that was being printed outside of the Pioneer's uh, press. So they needed to finish it early in the evening. So I had to sit through the night, go sleep for a couple of hours, then go and watch Leander Pace and um, Leander especially play tennis um, in Stone Mountain Park, which is a good one hour away from my hotel. So you would wake up early, go watch tennis, go watch athletic, go watch hockey. And then come back to the main press center at night and work through the night. So just a couple of hours sleep. But I don't think I ever, my body ever complained because there was an adrenaline flow. There was so much happening there. There was even a bomb blast uh, not very far from uh, where we were working. And there was drama to watch some superstars like Michael Johnson, for example, who won the 200-400 double. There was Carl Lewis as well. So some of the biggest names in sport were... We're all there in Atlanta and you got to see them. It was a terrific experience. But if you ask me what has been the toughest assignment, then I go back to 1987 in, sorry, 1989 in Pakistan, where I was deputized by PTI to cover uh, the South Asian game, then called the SAF game. And because I worked with PTI, I had to report on every single sport that was played. I think there were 11 disciplines and I could not ignore anything. I had to write a report on every everything that happened. I also had to give results. The newspaper reporters would always say, take PTI, you know, because PTI is a service and they will say, take results from PTI. I could not say that take results from somewhere else. I had to file results and then I had to write my report and then produce some features as well. To me, the SAP games in Islamabad in 1989, uh, was what made me the journalist I am. I, it was a very, very difficult assignment because I was working for a wire service back then. And uh, it taught me a lot about prioritizing. It taught me a lot about getting, about moving things. It taught me a lot about deadlines. It taught me about time management, even though I may not be the best at this point of time when it comes to time management, but it taught me a lot. And um, I really am proud of these two assignments. Then I will go back to Australia, 19... Sorry, this was 2007-8 when the Indian team was touring uh, Australia. And I had this little session with um, the Australian captain, Ricky Ponting, at the end of the Sydney Test match. I think everybody remembers this as uh, Monkey Gate. This was Harbhajan Singh's Test match where he was alleged to have uh, racially abused uh, Andrew Simons. But I asked Ricky Ponting a question about a catch that he had taken. He had grounded it and then he had appealed for a catch. I asked him and uh, we had a two, three minute conversation at a press conference. None of my colleagues would speak up, but I had to ask this question. And when I look back at life, uh, I think this one moment would have made my father really proud because I stood my ground. I did not give in to the Australian captain. I won't say he was bullying me, but he was quite aggressive. I stood my ground. I did not lose my cool. I think uh, it remains the highest point of my journalism career. Excellent. I think you're reading my mind. You led me to my next question, which was in your profession as a journalist or in a professional life as leaders or the corporate board members, there's always this balancing act of 
objectivity versus emotion and i'm sure you would have dealt with it also your uh, career what are some of your uh, tips or lessons from this particular uh, view of being objective versus emotional super question um, srikant what i learned in life about writing on sport is that there is only one boss and that boss is the reader if it is a newspaper the reader is my boss if it is a radio show that i am doing the listener is my boss if it is a tv show or a video show that i am doing then the viewer is my boss so i am answerable to that one person who is watching me or reading me i am not answerable to the athlete i am not answerable to the officials of course i am i cannot get away with doing wrong things but i have to answer every question that the viewer or the reader has got so if i keep the reader or the viewer at, at the back of my mind when i am conversing or when i am writing a piece then i think i am covering all my bases i will not do anything to leave the reader wanting to know more i will answer all his questions if i am writing i will answer all his questions and sometimes as a journalist you hold back some information from people because you don't want to fan flames you do not want to set alight a little fire so you hold back some information you don't write about it or don't talk about it and you carry it with yourself to your grave so to say there are number of instances every journalist will have a little story that they cannot ever tell that is where you are exercising judgment on whether it is right to write a particular article or whether it is best not to make a mention of that i'll give you an example uh, srikanth many years ago there was an indian captain who was uh, getting out of marriage and getting into another one this was a cricket captain and uh, one of my editorial heads would constantly needle me saying that because the indian cricket captain is your friend you will not write about his association with another person i would always say that i am paid to write about what happens inside that 75 yard boundary line i am not a pastry reporter i will not write about personal liaisons i will write about it if it starts affecting that person's sporting career i will write about somebody losing his mind not just because of a relationship issue but because he is not been able to handle money well or he is not able to handle fame well i will write about those issues because it has affected someone's sport but i am not going to go poking my nose into someone's personal affairs so this was a very big challenge for me and for 3 months i stonewalled i would not let my editorial head push me into writing this piece and i never wrote it until of course uh, the cricketer told me that his divorce was finalized and uh, that then he was going to get into another marriage so i did write about it then because it became news till such time it is speculation what he does outside of the cricket field is his business that has stood me very strongly it has helped me but a lot of people think that i have been foolish not to write such stuff when i go to sleep uh, srikanth i am off like a light in 15 seconds flat i can sleep because my conscience is really light i have never let a cricketer or any athlete down by writing personal stuff i have been critical of uh, athletes it is not wrong to be critical but i think at the end of the day i have to answer to my conscience and to the reader or the viewer no so whoever is listening listening to a podcast or a radio show or whoever is watching a tv show that person is my boss i am answerable to that person and they are viewing or reading primarily because somebody is playing sport and i would write about sport i don't want to waste time writing about what they do outside in their personal life 
I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it to draw those boundaries and focus on what you can do within that boundary. I think most athletes understand when a journalist uh, is criticizing someone and they, if they're doing a fair job of it, they accept it uh, just as much as they accept the praise that is due to them when they do a good job. So you have been writing uh, for over four decades on sports and everything around sports. If somebody were to come to you and say, Raj, we want to celebrate your career and we want to write about you. What do you think the title of that book or that headline would look like? That's a tough one. I write a blog called Raj Reflex. I'm sure uh, a book title would, would do something with reflection because life is about introspection. Life is about learning. And uh, if my learning come through in that book, it would be quite an honor if someone comes and says, I want to write about you. I haven't got there yet, Srikant, but if they do, it will be about the learnings that I've got in life uh, through the world of sport. I've been very fortunate that I get to follow my passion for sport even at this age. I'm getting close to 60 and to be able to follow sport, to be able to enjoy it as much as I do, I think it's a blessing. And if that can reflect in the title of the book, which could be, uh, which could have anything to do with reflection, because at the end of the day, we are deeply introspecting about life and about sport and uh, sport does reflect life. Wonderful. Raj, this show is all about creating ripples of inspiration. What would be your Inspire Someone Today message for all the listeners out there? Play sport. Play sport to understand how it can help you become better as an individual and as a team player. I used to play basketball, uh, Srikant, and like I said, I played for Andhra Pradesh and for Usman University, but my best play was always in YMCA in Hyderabad, which is my club side. And what it taught you was you are in a very eclectic group. No two people are the same. No two people are from the same household. And yet you get together on the court and five of you charged with that one purpose, beat the opposition, get that one point extra and uh, be on top. What you also learned, what I learned when I was playing basketball was that I could be part of a team. It was very important to be equal to others. At the same time, you could also emerge a leader. Your thought process can sometimes influence others. And if that thought process helps the team win, why not? You are able to spot a weakness in the opposition. And one thought that you have can help you beat the opposition because you are able to spot something that others haven't. And I think uh, in terms of uh, my personality development, I owe it to basketball. And I'm sure anybody, when they play sport, will be able to tell you that um, there is a lot that they can learn from sport. It teaches you how to take victory and defeat. That happens on the sports field. In life, you learn to take the ups and downs. You can't be up every time. And uh, these are difficult times for everybody. And I think it is my sporting background that has helped me stay sane and uh, even have conversations like this. You can't be winning all the time. And that is what sport teaches you. And you have to wake up the next morning and go back on court, practice again, try harder, and then uh, try and win the next match that you're playing. So sport teaches you a lot. And I don't think there is anything better in life than sport. People who've who are uh, practicing music, who might be in theater, who might um, be artists who can draw the best landscapes in the world. They will also have stories to tell, but I don't think there is anything like sport because sport reflects life. It teaches you to take pressure. It teaches you to 
stay very calm despite having won a title because you know you've got to go back and play again and start from scratch. This is what Sachin Tendulkar once taught me. I asked him uh, when he scores 100, what is the emotion uppermost in his mind? He took his time and then he said, uh, I'm happy but not satisfied. So I asked him to explain the difference between happiness and satisfaction. And he said it so beautifully, Srikant. He said that happiness and satisfaction are both states of the mind. I'm happy because 100 is a milestone. Not everybody gets to that 100 every single time. As I walk into bat the first time in a match, I get to see the scoreboard. It shows zero against my name. I have to score those 100 runs. Somebody else has to stay at the other end and run my runs as well uh, between the wickets for me to get to 100. And not everybody can get to 100, so I'm happy when I get to 100. But I'm not satisfied because how can I forget that I've played and missed or that I've edged the ball and the wicketkeeper or slip fielder has dropped the catch? Or how can I forget that I have hit to deep extra cover instead of taking three runs, I have taken only two? I have not played the perfect innings. How can I be satisfied? And then Srikanthi says, satisfaction is like the handbrake of the car. You engage the handbrake and then put the car in gear. It doesn't move at all. So he's, he taught me this beautiful lesson. And I don't think anybody in life other than a sports person will be able to teach you this lesson that while you want to keep getting better and better every single time, you cannot rest on your oars. You have to keep making those improvements. You have to keep updating your knowledge. You have to keep upgrading yourself every single day for you to stay ahead of competition. I don't think there is anything else that can teach you better than sport. Those are some wonderful lessons, Raj, and nothing better than the god of cricket himself. Thank you so much for sharing that anecdote. And always a pleasure. Uh, this is something I have must have shared a few times because it resonates really well with people, Srikant. When you hear what Tendulkar's attitude to life is, um, you then realize that, yes, it is very easy for us to adapt that to our own lives and adopt it as well. And uh, if it helps people understand that they can get better and their own potential can be optimized. And um, this is another thing that I learned. That you take a coffee mug and fill it up to the brim, it is 100%. You take a, a teapot and fill it up to the brim, that is also 100%. Or you fill a vessel full of coffee, that is also 100%. So you can't keep saying, I've given my 100%. You have to keep improving that 100%. You have to keep evolving. And your 100%, the value of that 100% will keep go, growing up. And I think this is something that the great takeaway for me from the world of sport. And I don't lose any opportunity to share what Tendulkar has taught. Raj, thank you so much. Thanks so much for sharing those wonderful messages. It was a pleasure talking to you, getting uh, to hear from somebody who has witnessed history of Indian sports in close quarters. Thanks for your time, Raj. And always a pleasure, Srikant. And thank you for having me. Uh, wishing you all the very best. Thank you for listening into today's edition of Inspire Someone Today. It's been a privilege to bring in these conversations. If you like this episode and have any feedback or comments, do mail me at inspiresomeonetodaypodcast at the rate gmail.com. Inspiring someone is like creating ripples around us. If you like what to listen, feel free to share them and let's create ripples of inspiration. Do not forget to follow me on my Instagram handle 
at the rate inspire someone today podcast for all the latest updates this is shrikant your host signing off and until next time keep inspiring